Hey, everybody. Believe it or not, this is Artifice episode 10. And honestly, it feels like kind of a big deal to me. Um, I've been absolutely thrilled with the feedback I've been getting so far, and it just means everything to me to hear from people who are enjoying the conversations we're having. Um, If you've been listening and you haven't already reached out to me, please do. Um, Tell me what you think. Tell me what kind of artists you want to hear more from. If there's someone in particular you'd like to recommend. Um, I would love that. Um, I'd love to know if there are questions that you wish I was asking that I'm not asking. Uh, I'd love to know if there are questions that you love that I ask. Just anything. Um, I want all of the feedback. And mostly I just want to say thank you so much for listening. It feels so good. And I'm just in love with this project. And, um, you know, it's 10 episodes in, which feels like kind of kind of cool and kind of big but it's also just I hope the very very beginning of something that I keep doing for a lot of years so yeah let me know how I can make it better for you um, today's episode is with multi-instrumentalist audio engineer and producer Joseph Facer. Joseph has toured internationally and across the U.S. performing with and recording artists including Gladys Knight, Toto, Lea Salonga, Leslie Odom Jr., and many more. Joseph also performs with his original progressive hard rock band, Soliphony, who just released their first single, The Dawning. In this episode, Joseph and I talk about what it takes to be a gainfully employed artist and the myth that all you need is mastery of your art form. We talk about financial success versus popularity, and Joseph shares his thoughts about whether we as artists have an obligation to create content that serves the general population or if it's more productive overall to create what you would personally be most likely to consume. I love Joseph's motto that if it's good, someone will want it. All right, here's episode 10. Sometimes art feels like magic, pure, visionary, and sometimes it's brought to you in part by focus groups and algorithms. And the makers of art are no different. We're creatives, sure, but we're also salespeople. We need imagination and imitation. We need deep, meaningful connections, but we also have to network. Yep, even if you're an introvert. And that's my point. Balancing vulnerability with veneer is tricky, and it's a struggle we don't often share. So let's share. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. This episode of Artifice is brought to you by Blue Chic. Blue Chic creates WordPress website themes and design templates that have helped tens of thousands of entrepreneurs build a beautiful online presence. For those of us who are professional creatives, it's so important to have a website that looks and feels as artful as the art you make but we all know it's easier said than done. When I found Blue Chic a few years ago, I was blown away by their gorgeous themes and purchased mine without hesitation. I had absolutely no web design experience or skills, but Blue Chic's amazing documentation empowered me to build a site I can really be proud of. Head to www.bluchic.com to see which theme works best for you and use promo code BCARTIFICE for 10% off your purchase today. Um, okay. So Joseph, I want to ask you first and foremost to talk about your earliest, you know, creative inclinations. How did creativity begin in your life? Um, well, I've always, I mean, creatively, I've always been a music guy. I've not really ever ventured into other realms of creativity, I guess. Um, but I was kind of forced into piano early on by my mom 
um, all of my siblings were as well, but I was the only one that ever really took to it and was like really into music. Yeah. Same Um, in my family. Yeah. To the point where I, you know, then just wanted to start doing more and more with it. Yeah. Um, so I picked up the guitar when I was 12 and that was kind of a big, like on switch to music for me. Yeah. Where, in fact, I can still remember I was at one of my friend's houses and his uncle was there visiting from somewhere. Wait, how old were you? I was 12. Okay. I was probably 11 at this point when the moment happened, but I so got it, my first guitar at 12. I want to go back to a thing. Okay. I think this is something that like is really typical in like kind of Mormon mm-hmm. culture. Yeah. But it's I think it's kind of unique that like piano lessons are sort of like a given. Like, sure. like I think I think a lot of people would have... Like they would only put their child in piano lessons if the child like showed some interest in music. Mm-hmm. But we have this totally bizarre thing that happens in this culture, and I don't know. I I haven't I haven't heard other people explain it this way, but I think I think I think it's a theme for those of us that grew up Mormon. But you just get put in piano, like right. in the same way that I got put in baseball. Yeah, you know, <laughs> having like not a shred of athletic inclination. Right. So, yeah, I think maybe that's something that's weird, like starting out, like you realize you're creative, maybe like after you're put in piano lessons, Mm -hmm. but you didn't, you didn't have any sort of like earlier, like, I guess I'm kind of wondering, like, do you feel like just, you know, from your memory that like your, your little, little baby Joseph self, (laughs) like had any... Anything about your personality, like, like, what do you think, like, the origin of that? Um, I guess thinking more about it, um, like, early on in my life, I was the kind of kid that would, like, stay up all hours of the night building things with, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, like, foam puzzle blocks or Legos or Lincoln things logs. like that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, you know, I have... I had a huge just bin of Legos that I would play with all the time and I loved just building my own thing. So I guess there was always kind of that creative spark there that really like found its place when I started playing music. And I still enjoy, I mean, those kinds of maybe puzzle type things where you have to be creative to solve things like that. Yeah, I still like those kinds of things, but it's a just a different kind of creativity for me, I guess. Totally. Well, I think that's inevitable when your career kind of becomes creative, you have to sort of find like other creative outlets that feel more like, I don't know, unfocused creativity maybe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now go back and talk about your first guitar. So I was 11 or 12 and, uh, is at a friend's house. His uncle was visiting and he just pulled out a guitar um, and he started playing 99 Red Balloons, and I always have remembered that for some reason. <laughs> and I don't even care for that song, but just like watching him playing the guitar, and it was like a cool thing that was like, you know, kind of flipped my world hmm. right then. And um, Do you think, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say from then on, I was just like always bugging my parents like, yeah. but I want to play guitar. I've been playing piano for so long. Mm-hmm. and. I can play all the hymns just like you want me to, but I want to play guitar. And it took a lot of convincing, but it, you know, they got me my first guitar that Christmas. Yeah. Do you think, do you think that it, it made a difference to you? Like who this person was, you said it was your friend's dad. 
his uncle. His uncle. Yeah. Um, do you think that it made a difference to you, like how you saw that person? Like, do you, I think what I'm asking is, do you think it matters, you know, when you have that kind of moment where you're like, oh, this is a thing? Because I think I'm, my assumption is that we all have a moment somewhat like that. Right. Especially if your parents aren't artists. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where you're kind of introduced to like this, you meet a person that, that is doing something that you haven't seen kind of modeled. And, but I wonder if it matters who that person is. I don't know. Cause I can remember it, there were kind of, that was the big moment, but there was kind of a side thing going on as well, where uh, a guy in my neighborhood owned a recording studio and we had a CD of his solo music that he'd recorded. And it was just singer songwriters, cool. drumming guitar stuff. Um, but I can remember just like listening to his CD and being aware that like, I know the man that made this CD and he has some mythical place where he, you know, can make music. Um, and so that was always kind of there, Yeah. but then seeing the guitar being played live like that was like, so it was maybe less about connecting the dots. Yeah. Maybe less about the person and more about kind of like understanding that it's not that it's not like some magic thing. Right. I think that's really relatable. I know that's relatable for me. And again, I I think it's the kind of thing that maybe it depends a little bit. Like if your parents are creatives, you're, you're probably going to have a different experience, but I know that lots of times I kind of felt like, well, the people who do creative stuff in their careers are just like a different kind of person, sure. you know, yeah. if, if you don't kind of understand like what the building blocks are that get there. I, I used to think too, that like songwriting was like some kind of magic, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't know any theory, you just imagine that like everyone has music just like come to them in dreams or something. Right, yeah. <laughs> Maybe there's some people that are like that, but I think probably mostly not. So, okay. So yeah, h- help me like connect the story. So you're 11, you're 12, you get your first guitar um, maybe like, maybe I want you to talk more about that, that, that in-between phase where you're, you're telling your parents like, but I want to be playing guitar more before maybe, maybe I'm making an assumption that eventually <laughs> there's a time where they're like, Joseph plays guitar. Um, well, I think, I mean, my mom has always been the type to like recognize that, Hey, you are really good at school or you're hmm. doing really good at music. Um, whether or not she was necessarily supportive of what directions I was taking is another story, but she would always recognize like, Hey, you're doing really great in school. Keep doing that. Or you're doing really great with the piano. Okay. I guess we'll branch out and try something new. Cause it yeah. was a totally new thing for, you know, anyone in my family there, there aren't musicians on either side of my family. Same. Um, so I think it was just a new thing, which is why it took all the convincing and, Mm-hmm. Um, but when I got into it, you know, she was supportive and got me into lessons, um, for a little while at least, um, and had to take me back and forth cause I was still too young to get there myself and yeah. was, was on me about practicing and good job, mom. Yeah. Uh, what, what did it feel like to you to kind of have this awareness that you're, you're excited about this thing and that it's not really something that anyone else in your family is doing? Well, I, I can definitely say that since then, and I notice it more being older and more self-aware, 
uh, it's kind of really been tied into my identity quite a bit. Yeah. Um, because it was always a unique thing that I did growing up. And even in school, being in band, um, there aren't a lot of guitar players. You yeah. Know, you, there's one in the jazz band, and that's mm-hmm. about it. You know, sometimes there are two and they'll switch out. But um, it was kind of a unique thing that I got to do that I kind of came to realize, like, is... uh, How's a good way to say this? Um, It was kind of a way for me to feel unique and valued because I was doing something that nobody in my family was doing, that almost nobody else that I knew at school was doing. Um, So, like I say, it kind of became a part of who I am, and that, I think, has continued and become more so even, even today despite knowing a lot more people that do what I do, yeah, I can still like recognize the ways that I do it in a unique way or the yeah. things that separate me from other people. You know, this is something I think about a lot. I, and I wonder, like, it's kind of a chicken or the egg situation. Like when you have children that are kind of the, the first in the bunch to be, you know, sort of drawn toward art. Um, I wonder like, is it is it that like the child maybe feels a little different and like needs to find like a way like a like a tangible way to like I don't know put a name to that different feeling right like do you I don't know I think about this so much like if if I had been born into a family because I feel similar a lot of the time like if I had been born into a family that was like all creatives would I have been like I'm doing shot put. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, but then I think like, I don't think so, but I don't know. Like, I wonder about that. Yeah. You, I've thought about that before, but I really think that like when I made that connection, that it was like, you know, it was a, something there already that I just kind of discovered or yeah. awakened or whatever. But, uh, I don't think that I would have ever, you know, just done the other thing to do the other thing. Yeah. You know, if all of my family were into music and I decided I want to play sports, like I just wouldn't see that happening with me. Yeah. Sometimes I think for me, it's more just like, there's something kind of inherent in my personality. That's like, I don't know, like not like contrarian, but like, I definitely have like an, like an authority issue. Sure. Yeah. But, but one thing I do want to ask you is, do you feel like you're kind of, that, that creative spark or like, you know, whatever it is, do you feel like it could have taken like other forms or do you feel like it's like, it's music? Um, that's tough to say. I mean, having done music for as long as I have, it's like, it's hard to see it having taken any other route. Um, but you know, maybe if, if I had been given other opportunities to do different things, it could, I think it could have done something else. I think the, I mean, one of the huge things about being creative is just such a unique way to express yourself. Mm -hmm. And if I could have found that outlet in another way, you know, maybe it could have taken the place of music. Yeah, I know. I've, I've talked to a lot of musicians who talk about music like it's this kind of, you know, I don't know, like, like it's, it's, like it's its own thing and they're just kind of like a, a conduit for it. Sure. And I don't, I don't feel like that really. Like maybe, maybe I get like f- little flickers where I, I, I think like, I bet that's what those people mean. But I feel like 
my like the thing that I like about music is that it's kind of mine. Right. Uh, and I think I could have liked that about plenty of things. Sure. Yeah. And I, I get, I get, uh, kind of both sides of that coin. Cause I've definitely had those, those moments where it's like, you know, there's no way I would have come up with this. This yeah. is, you know, something working in me that's, you know, above me, you know? Um, but I just feel like had I, if I knew as much about maybe art or about filmmaking or some other creative yeah. endeavor that I do about music, like you could have those moments and you could have those deeper understandings in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, okay. So I want you to tell me about like how and when it kind of started occurring to you that like you may pursue music as a career. Really, it was at the same time that I got my guitar. Really? Yeah. I That moment, seeing my friend's uncle play, it was just like, like I say, it totally flipped my world. Because yeah. I, you know, my mom was absolutely pushing me to go into some some more scholarly career, or, you know, doctorate degrees or medicine or law or whatever. Yeah. You know, the respected yep. careers. We know about it. Um, And I... I I mean, I don't say this to be braggadocious, but I do feel like I had the academic potential that I could have done that very successfully. Yeah. Um, but when I had that on switch, it was just like, there really isn't any reason to do those other things. Yeah. I could be good at it, but like, I don't know. I've I've always been drawn to music from then and I haven't ever stepped away. Yeah. And d- so... I think maybe just to clarify, like, was there, was there any sort of like conflict? Like, did you have like a, like a pros and cons list or was it just like, I don't care? It was that. Yeah. I just knew that was going to be it. So how did you decide like what you were going to do? You know, like, are you going to go to college? What's the degree? You know, how did you kind of, how did you start to like strategize, you know, going from like excited amateur musician to professional musician. Right. Uh, that was quite a process because I didn't necessarily have any resources to see what a professional musician looks like. Hmm. Um, I was kind of just like, well, you get really good at playing your instrument and you're a professional musician, mm-hmm. you know? So I Inaccurate. Right. Totally wrong. <laughs> um, so I was just doing that. You know, I got my guitar uh, you know, the next school year I got into junior high band cause it was just another outlet to do music. Um, and so I kept, you know, just kind of progressing through academia with music, not necessarily thinking there was more to a professional mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. than that. Um, but when I got to be around 15 or 16, this is where it kind of comes full circle. Um, we went to tour the studio of that guy in my neighborhood. Okay. Um, and just being in there, seeing the environment, kind of seeing firsthand what used to be so mystical and, you know, yeah, that I think was kind of another on switch where I realized that um, recording music and engineering music and mixing and things like that, um, were a potential career and were mm-hmm. something that definitely interested in me 
interested me, even though I had no idea about any of it at that yeah. point. Um, so yeah. I kind of got that idea in my mind where it's like, I can be a recording engineer and a musician. I still didn't know what being a musician meant necessarily yeah. in, in a professional sense. Um, or in any sense, what do you know when you're 16, you know? What do you know when you're 16? Just about nothing, I think. <laughs> um, but then by the time I got to college was when I kind of started to look around and realize, like, now I'm surrounded by people doing music. Like, I am in this group. Yeah. Uh, and we're all kind of striving towards this professional musician, whatever that may be. Um, and I just realized that so many people didn't have any kind of idea what that really meant. Hmm. Uh, and so I started to think about it more and realize like, I have to look at what other people are doing as professional musicians. I have to find these models that I can follow after and then build my own career on. Yeah. Um, and that led to a lot of the things I'm doing today. Um, you know, playing with, uh, party bands, wedding bands, corporate sure. stuff, Yeah. uh, doing engineering as a career, doing session work as a career. Yeah. Like all of these things kind of developed in that time where I was just looking at people that I admired. How are they making their yeah. living? How can I do something like that? I like how you said like finding a model. I, I, I feel that way too. And I, I think, I think that's a really important step. You know, I don't know as much about like non-music creative professions. I look forward to learning more. But I imagine that's something that it really is kind of a crossroads if you kind of have that moment where you realize like, oh, this, I need a strategy, mm -hmm. you know, and maybe it's not, maybe it's not like, you know, a, like very linear, but I at least I need some models. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's a very important component for, you know, the difference between being a great artist and being a great artist who is gainfully employed. Right, yeah. Because <laughs> in my in my earlier years, teenage years and stuff, learning to play the guitar, you know, my models, so to speak, were, uh, you know, like Bon Jovi and right. things like that. Where totally. it's like kind of, I don't want to say unattainable because it's not. People do it. You can't but like, plan on it. Exactly. You can't count on it. And so I had to get past that and find more realistic yeah. people to, to follow after and totally. to learn from. Yeah. I remember like, I was just thinking about this a couple of days ago, but I remember being on like vacation with my family. I was probably like, I don't know, 13, 14. And I, unlike you did not have the thought in my mind that I might be a professional artist or musician but uh, we were we were just walking through this hotel, um, I think, you know, just for fun. Uh, and there was a, a girl like playing piano and singing in like the lobby. Mm -hmm. And I remember just thinking like, huh, I, I haven't heard of her. She's getting paid, presumably. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> like, I remember just thinking like, what else am I not aware of, you know? Yeah. Because before that, like, yeah, I mean, I was thinking about like Celine Dion and then maybe like people who were on Broadway right? and not being aware at all of like anything else. Mm -hmm. Oh man, it's such a problem. Um, okay. I want to know about uh, like your first paid creative work. Can you like, I, 
Can you can you remember? Um, or an early one? Yeah. There was, uh, I mean, one of them was kind of a joke where in junior high we were playing in the jazz band. And I don't know why, but one of the songs we were doing was China Grove by the Doobie Brothers. I don't know that. It's just a classic rock song um, arranged for jazz band. Sweet. Um, and so there's, you know, a big guitar solo in it. And uh, my teacher bribed me that if I would like put on a show and be a rock star, you know, at this junior high band concert, she would pay me like 10 bucks or something. So I did that. And that's that was the joke first time. But it meant <laughs> oh a lot. Oh, gosh, I love that story. Yeah. It meant a lot that like I had an actual experience of someone putting a dollar bill in my hand yeah. for having done something musically, you know. Um, and I probably didn't get paid for anything for years later. But, yeah, I I have, I have a similar experience. Yeah. But how like how did how did when you first started telling that story, I was thinking like, oh, I w- never would have been brave enough to like go and play like as a soloist. Like that, I would have been like terrified having never done it before. And right. then that seems like a big, that seems like a big jump. Like, but like, did it feel like that to you? Um, like, how did you, what did, how did you like step into a, that character? Yeah. It's definitely out of character for me as a person. Yeah. Um, you know, you know me, I'm fairly reserved and quiet and whatnot. You have opinions though. I do. They're in there. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm I'm not the one to be ostentatious or conspicuous. I, I like to blend in. Um, so to do that was definitely like flipping a switch and being someone different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and honestly, it was kind of a big deal for me because I've kind of been able to do that with music kind of just like that, like flipping a switch, mm-hmm. even to this day. Um I forgot what your question was. Oh, I think I'm just sorry. like, what, like, how did you do that? Like, but you, but I think you're answering it. Like you just, it's a thing you could do where like, I, I did not have that epiphany mm-hmm. that like performing can be like a character until I was like done with grad school. Right. So I, I'm, I'm impressed that that's a thing that you and really that figured out as a, as a teenager. As, uh, as unprofitable as my earlier models were, uh, in a monetary sense, like that's probably where that comes from. If, you know, if I'm really into watching Bon Jovi and Metallica on stage, like I'm absorbing that. And yeah, uh, I think that's definitely where that aspect of it comes from. Yeah. It's like a visual transcription. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like that about it too. Um, Oh, I had a question, Emily. I don't know. It's gone. Maybe it'll come <laughs> back to me later. Okay. So, you know, I, my, my idea with this podcast is to like talk about creativity and then talk about business, Mm -hmm. which I think can be creative, but I think a breakdown happens for a lot of people there. And sometimes there are weird conflicts in it. So now I think I, I want to talk a little bit more about like those business things. Um, so I, yeah, I think I was going to ask you, what are your fears about a career in art, but maybe you don't have any. There are definitely fears. What are they? I mean, especially now having a kid, like Do you my, want to tell my wife, the listeners about your about your baby? I just barely had a new little boy. His little name baby. is Brooks. Brooks. Yep. And uh he's a great little kid. Um but my wife is currently our 
like our main financial support. She's a high school math teacher. Um, Go Alyssa. Yeah, which tells you how rough our situation is if we're a high school teacher and a musician. Um, no, it's not that bad. I think it sounds kind of like a dream team. I like it quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, we're not going to be wealthy doing that, but we're fine. Well, there's many. It's one thing that we'll maybe get to, but yeah. like what, what, like, what is success? Like there's so many ways. Right, yeah. So I think, yeah, what are, the, what are your fears? So the biggest thing for me is really just that, like, how am I going to be able to do this and make enough money to pay all my bills and support mm-hmm. everybody? Because Alyssa doesn't want to have to keep working if she doesn't have to. She'd mm-hmm. love to be at home with bricks all the time. Um, obviously, that's not necessarily financially feasible until I can take over everything, though. Mm-hmm. And that's honestly, I think that's my only fear being a professional musician is will I be able to make enough money to yeah. be solvent? You know, it's just it's so it's so unstable, you know, like like it's it, the thing that we like about it is that it's this independent thing. Right. Uh, and, you know, it's it's I think we like that it's unstable, like maybe I'm projecting, but like, <laughs> you know, it's it's unpredictable in a way that's like very satisfying, I think, to that. I don't know that part of you that gets bored. Yeah. Um. So you want there to be changes, but like you need you need some stability. It's mm-hmm. it's I feel it to be a conflict sometimes. Um. So, but here's one way that I feel like I have learned to kind of deal with this. Um. But like, do you feel creative about the business end of your career? Um, I don't necessarily think I do, but I also don't resent that necessarily. Like, I know that I have to take care of business things. I have to be able to communicate with people and to be professional about things. Uh, And those aren't really the creative aspects of Mm. how I view my career, but I can still do them. You know, I, I don't feel bad about having to do all that. Yeah. So, okay. I... Well, you started talking about it a little bit earlier, but one thing that I think is really a common thread for, I would assume, any artist, especially toward the beginning of their careers, um, you know, multiple streams of income. Mm-hmm. So uh, what are those for you? And, you know, maybe if you don't want to just give a list, right? maybe like, what are, how, how do you think about it? Like... I mean, it's not a yeah super clear question. I mean, going through college, uh, the teachers would mention it frequently that, you know, basically that you have to wear all the hats and do all the things if you want to make a living as a musician, which to a degree is true. Um, I think there are definitely people that don't do that, that do just fine for themselves. Yeah. Um, but I enjoy that aspect of it, being able to just shift gears and do something different. So mm-hmm. for me, it's taken the form of uh, recording and mixing for people uh, as one one stream, doing session work as another, and then playing live basically as a hired gun in all these yeah. all these bands is how I see it. Um, cover band, cover bands, stuff. yeah, yeah. The the corporate scene, the bar scene, whatever else mm-hmm. that may be. Um, and that's, for me, I think, like, just the right amount of diversity. Yeah. 
because when I was in college and it was stressed so much that you have to wear all the hats, like I was trying to find ways to do work, uh, composing or arranging for, you know, different types of ensembles. And I came to realize like, there are a lot of things about music that even though I'm capable of doing, I don't want to be doing those as my career. Yeah. Um, and so I was able to kind of put those aside and like focus in on the things that mattered more to me. Yeah. You don't want to end up like, you know, jack of all trades, master of none kind right. of a situation. Yeah. So I think of it cause I think I'm similar. I've got like, you know, maybe like five ish things mm-hmm. that I'm, that I'm pulling income from, uh, but I feel like they, they all kind of share like three skill sets, you know, sure, like there's, yeah. so it's, it's more like I've really dug into like this, what I consider to be like a fairly, a fairly small skill set in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. And I think it's diverse compared to what some people are doing. Right. Yeah. Um, but to take that, to take that like relatively narrow, but like deep skill set and, and apply it to multiple streams of income mm-hmm. rather than having multiple streams of income that all have a totally separate skill set. Right. So, you know, they kind of, when you're working on one, you're getting better at the other. Yeah. Um, which, which feels kind of like a sweet spot to me. Sure. Um, do you get like, do you get restless like with your, you know, four or five things that you're doing? Yeah, totally. How do, what do you do about it? Um, usually not enough to be honest. Um, no, I definitely get to a point like as an example, if I'm joining a new party band or I have to sub for a gig or something. And if I don't know a lot of that music, then, you know, I have to spend the weeks leading up to learning and charting and getting comfortable with the music and doing that just like one thing, whether it's that or anything else day in and day out, just like eats at me. I feel like I need to be, you know, writing my own music in between that or working on a mix in between that or just doing something to kind of break it up. I don't, I don't like being stuck in one thing for very long. I feel the same way. I get like, I get, I get mad. Mm -hmm. I get like a real grumpy. Yeah. I have to work on, honestly, even if it's a thing that I really like, like I, I just, I can't, I can't stay on the same thing for that long. I get frustrated. Yeah. And that, and sometimes I think that is like the crux of it for me. Like I'm a creative professionally, like because of that, because I get like stir crazy (laughs) way too easily. Right. And I think maybe it's, I don't know. I feel like I, it's like a a conflict in my personality because I also like, I don't know. I feel like I like, I'm a pretty, in a lot of ways, I'm a pretty good rule follower, Mm -hmm. but then I just... I don't know. It's like there's something, there's some other thing that's just like not content. Right. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm curious to find whether that's like something we all share. <laughs> um, so as you're kind of strategizing, so, okay. So we've talked about like, we've talked about the things that feel like creatively, you know, or maybe we actually, maybe we should talk more. So will, will you talk a little bit more about like the stuff that feels like, art in mm-hmm. like the purest sense of the term to you. Yeah. So for me, I have, I guess, t- one or two, depending on how you look at it, main outlets for that. Um, one of them being, I like to write original music. 
uh, and that typically takes the form of like a rock band kind of thing. So I'm in a band and we write music. And um, for me, that is like the pinnacle of what I like to be doing creatively. Capital A art. Yeah, exactly. And the other half of that is recording and mixing that. For me, that's a huge, like, I love recording music once it's written. Um, specifically yours? Specifically mine. Yeah. I, I mean, I worked as a recording engineer at a studio for a while. And that was even recently when I kind of realized I love recording and I love mixing. I love recording and mixing my own stuff. Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, there's kind of that caveat there. Yeah. Um, so those are kind of my main creative outlets. Um, and then as far as stuff that I do that I enjoy that is work that isn't necessarily so creative. I mean, it's the cover band stuff yeah. where I'm, you know, learning note for note, all of these songs. Yeah. Um, I do, uh, I guess some of the engineering that I do for people will be like just tuning vocals for them or something sure. or doing editing for them where that's, you know, a lot more rote, like, yeah, just do the thing. You sure. Know? Maybe feels less kind of big picture creative. Right. So I think uh, for me, it's kind of a literal thing where being creative is creating, you know, music and then the actual recording of the music and then sure. the work is everything else. You want to see that creative process like all the way through mm -hmm. and then you have other things that allow you to support that. So, um, so I think you kind of answered this before, but I, I'm curious about how the, what is the intersection between like the art making process or the art making brain, you know, and the, the money making process self? Um, like what, what's the Venn diagram of those things? Well, I think what it comes down to in my mind is the skills required to do either. Okay. Because to be creative, making my own music requires a lot of the same skills as being creative or I mean, not being creative, learning cover songs. Okay. I have to have a good ear. I have to have a good understanding of music and guitar technique. I have to be able to remember what I'm doing. Like all of those types of skills are kind of the crossover points, I guess. Yeah. Do you feel like there's like negative crossover? Like does the money making interfere with the art making? Sometimes it um, was never. Very rarely, I'd say. For me, it's mostly the times where I'm like hit with a big rush of the work stuff. Sure. Where I have to be dedicating so much time to that that by the time I'm done with that, I don't have the energy or the will to try and be creative after that necessarily. That's very relatable. Um, okay, but what about in your art capital A stuff? Mm -hmm. So when you're doing like marketing, I don't know, even just in your songwriting, like are you and if so, how much or how little or how do you deal with thinking like, how will I sell this? Um, like very, very little actually. Yeah. I'm um, the same way. I mean the, the music that I make is niche enough that I'm always operating on the mindset that if it's good, someone will want it. Um, and I've heard a lot of my favorite artists say the same thing that if you are making something that is good, like objectively, if it isn't, 
produced bad and if the parts aren't, you know, so clashy or bad or things like that, somebody's going to want to buy it. Somebody's going to want to listen to it. Somebody's going to want to come to a concert and buy a t-shirt and all of this stuff that lets the creative stuff be profitable. Yeah. And I wonder too, I mean, maybe this is something you can talk about when you're working in a band, Mm -hmm. maybe you have a slightly different experience than a solo artist. I'm, I'm wondering like, do you, is that delegated out in the group? Like maybe someone who kind of is good at merch is doing merch and maybe someone else hates it. Right. You know, like, do you, do you divide that way? In, in my band, we do, we, so the band is just a duo. So there are only two of us, but, and we're actually both pretty similar in the way we, we think of things and handle creativity. Do you want to talk about your band? Sure. I mean, you you probably should. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so I, the original band called Soliphony, uh, we do progressive hard rock is how we brand it. Awesome. Uh, it's me and a bass player and I record all the drums and we both work together on the keyboard. So it, it's still a full band, but uh, live there's just two of us. Um, so Sean, who's the bassist in this band, uh, we're both very, like I say, we're both very similar personality wise. Um so dividing responsibilities in the band is kind of just like, well, what do you feel like doing? Or mm-hmm. in a few cases, there's a definite like, yeah, you should definitely take this or I'll definitely handle yeah. this. Um, but it kind of just comes down to, it, we're in the middle of it right now, kind of setting goals for our next year, yeah. looking at like, what are the things that need to be done? And then who's going to take care of which aspects of it? And I, I think... Honestly, in this type of setting, an original band, that's one of the things that's going to separate a band that never goes anywhere from one that does is how well you handle those business aspects yeah. of it. Are there things that you hate and dread? Um, the thing I like least is having to uh, like interface with venues or promoters or mm. things when you're getting gigs. Mm. Um, I can I can do it just fine, but that I tend to let Sean handle that more often than not. Um, and I think that's more just a, a personality difference between us where I definitely tend to be, I think more introverted than Sean. We both are to a a degree for sure, but I think he's more willing to kind of push past his introvertedness to, to just make that kind of thing. He has that skill set, Right. What about like social media and stuff? I know that's something that, I often feel puzzled mm-hmm. by, do do you guys think about that stuff? A lot. Um, and social media is kind of my responsibility in the band. Um, mostly just because neither of us are very active on our own social media pages. We have them and we don't really use them as most people do nowadays. Yeah. Um, but I've kind of taken it upon myself to talk to artists and figure out how they're using social media so that I can do it. Yeah. It's that's one thing I guess that is definitely more of a burden than a creative thing for me. Yeah. But it's an essential one. One of my like goals for like this fall and I'm sucking at it. So it's going to (laughs) become a goal for the spring, I think. But one of my goals is just to like look at Instagram more. Yeah. Which is so, it's so stupid. Like, I feel like I hear so many people like, oh, I, like, I'm on social media all the time. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll seriously, like, you know, I won't have, like, 
opened Instagram for like a month. Yeah. And then I just think like, I, how can I know how to use this platform if I'm not just like consuming it? Like I have to, so I, I seriously, like I'll dedicate, I'll, I'll try like, you know, at least like 10 minutes a day to like, just scroll through Instagram. And it's so, it's feels so like silly to me. Like, you know, that's an item on my to-do list, but it's so important. Yeah. I feel conflicted about it though. And then another item on my to-do list is to learn one of the courses of rap for no diggity. <laughs> Sometimes I look at my to-do list and I'm like, what, it, who am I? Yep. But then also on my to-do list is like, get bears rabies shot. Sure. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Our lives are weird. Well, going back to what you said at first about kind of making it a chore to learn social media, basically, I've kind of had to take that a step farther and say, like, me personally on Instagram, if I'm going to post, it's like, here's a picture of my rig at a gig. Yeah. And that's it. But I've kind of had to step outside of that just to know how to do it. Right. And like, you do Instagram stories was a new thing for me, even though I have to learn like everybody does it. But you just have to kind of dive in and do it, you know, Mm -hmm. see what people are doing, see what's working for people. And apply yourself to it and then just do it. I like didn't know like where my direct message folder was Yeah, <laughs> until like two months ago. And I was, I had to ask Andrew, mm-hmm. I'm like, Andrew's not like a social media guru or something. It's like, Andrew, where is the direct, where is the direct message box? <laughs> and then I had all these messages in there that I had not responded right. to. And I was like, I didn't know. I didn't know that this was even here. It's so embarrassing. Um, okay. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think maybe we already talked about this, but I, but I wonder if it's like a slightly different thought, but like, do you feel like, do you feel like in your, like maybe less in your actions and more kind of like in your mind or whatever, do you feel like you have to keep like a boundary between like the capital A art and like, the how you're getting your art out even if you feel like you're doing that artfully you know what I mean like like I think maybe I'm wondering if like if you think and and if so like how do you think about like keeping that kind of integrity in the art like at least at the beginning does that make sense I don't know um it's such like a I presume that any answer will be like so unique that I'm not sure, sure like how to yeah. ask the question. <laughs> I think I kind of take the same stance on the business side of the art as I do the art itself, where if I'm not doing like stupid things on social media or with my marketing or contacting promoters and I'm being like me, putting me into it, mm-hmm. it's going to come across to someone. Yeah. And I think I'm maybe at a bit of a disadvantage because I'm such like a dry humored, sarcastic <laughs> person that it's harder to translate that kind of stuff online or in, in text if you're not with someone, you know? Yeah. Um, but I still feel like it's the right path to take. Yeah. Just to be true to what I am and what I'm trying to do. Well, you want to say that like being fake never is gets rewarded. We know that's not true. Right. But some people are maybe better at faking than I know that I could be. Yeah. You know, like I know I would not do a good job. Actually, so last night I was doing my Instagram time. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, I I was in the I was in the oh crap what's it called like the discover mm-hmm. explore yeah thing explore I think yeah I don't know what it's called Emily uh, and I and I I came across a friend from college who I I. I think we're friends on Facebook, but he's maybe more active on Instagram. Yeah. Anyway, he, he's a bit older than me. Um, his name is Graham Richards. Shout out Graham Richards. And uh, he wrote as like his um, bio, just one sentence. And it was like, I make music that I would listen to if I were me. Mm-hmm. And I just think like, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Like I've had people ask me sometimes like, you know, who's your target audience? And I'm like, I, I think it's me. Right. You know, like, I don't know. I, it's anyone who is, is like me. Yeah. What, what are you going to do? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but I think that's something that I, I think about a lot. Like, do I have an obligation to, like, make something that serves, like, a specific population? And, and maybe not in, like, a, a dramatic way, but, like, do I have a responsibility to take like whatever sort of raw, you know, material I would want to create and, and just like package it in a way that it's more receivable. And I don't know. I don't, I feel a little ambivalent about it. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes I just think like, yeah, I mean, I'll make exactly what I would want to make, you know, from beginning to end. Like I will, I will package it. Like, I mean, you know, the visual part, I'll package it in the way that if it's something that I saw, I would be like, yeah, that's, I want to click on that. Um, And then sometimes I think like, maybe it is sort of part of my responsibility to like open that door a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you think? That's a tough question. Um, And usually the stance I take is more of, what you started with where I'm going to do exactly what I would want it to be if I were a consumer. Yeah. Um, because I think that's kind of where the artistry comes from Yeah, is you as a unique person putting your stamp on things and doing it, uh, exactly how you would. And I think even though everyone is unique, there's enough crossover between people that a lot of that type of thing will translate. I think you're right. Yeah. I think maybe one of the reasons that this is something I wrestle with is like, I try to think about how I got into the, the music that I like. And so much of the time, like I didn't know that I wanted it. Like I wasn't looking for that thing. And maybe I found the thing like through a channel that was, um, I don't know, like less niche mm-hmm. or something. Um, and yet I think sometimes I wonder like, are there people who, who want this thing that I'm making who don't like maybe quite realize they want it. Right. And like, do I want to try to like, I don't know, make like conscious decisions to locate those people. And what does that mean? I, I feel, um, burdened by this conflict. Right. And I, I think that's really the crux of it all is finding those people. And I do think you have to do things that will give you as wide of an audience as you can so that those, however small or big a group of people will find you. Yeah. Uh, I think that's... But how? Right. That's the question. 
<laughs> I mean, for I even to this day, I don't like to use streaming services for music, for example. Hmm. Um, just because I, if I like an artist and I like their music, I want to support them in the most direct way, which tends to be buying physical copies of the music. That's they'll, what I do too. They'll get a bigger cut, you know. Plus I want to have it. Right. I don't know. I feel like. Or I'll, I'll go to a show and I'll buy their t-shirt or something. Yeah. Just that is a more direct support to the artist, I guess. Yeah. Um, You're not lying about that. I never, I like almost never see you without a band shirt. Well, even the shirt I'm wearing. You have one now. Is Jazz at Lincoln Center. There it so, is. Yeah. I went to the, I went to a show there and. It's not just lip service. Right. You buy merch. I buy merch. Um, but then being in a band and being ready to put out music and realizing we have to find like a very, very small group of people in the world that is interested in this kind of music. And we're not going to do that just printing a hundred CDs and trying to sell them at local shows. It's so hard. You have to be willing to, I think, branch out to find those ways to reach a wider audience. And you know, maybe that does mean you have to play a little of the business game Yeah. in the, you know, you want to get landed on a Spotify playlist or something, or, um, I don't know, doing things along that line, along those lines that maybe you wouldn't ordinarily do, but they're, that are going to help you find your people. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I'm, I'm trying to think of like, I, I think I want to talk about two things. Maybe we've already ta- a little bit talked about one, but like, will you just talk about if you have any like feelings, thoughts about like, what is like the thing you're going for with this capital A art? Mm-hmm. Like, what is it? There, How do you know you got it? Yeah. There are probably a few different answers to that for me. Um, one of them being if when it's all said and done and the, the art is made, like, what do I feel when I hear it? Uh, and if I'm here, if I'm feeling what I feel when I hear the things that inspired me to make that art, like I'm on the right track, I'm doing Mm -hmm. something right. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for me personally, another thing is just that, um, I want to be heard and I want the things that matter to me to uh, kind of reach the same type of people as me, that that would matter to them as well. Um, and if I can translate that through my art, then that's kind of, I think, what I'm after with it. Yeah, that's well said. I feel the same way. Um, okay, so I don't, I, this is something that I wrestle with a lot. And I don't know if it's like directly in the purview of like what I'm saying this podcast is, but (laughs) I'm still curious about it. Yeah. Um, When you think about the artists and and really like any, I don't know, any kind of artist, presumably you think more about musicians than anything else. But when you think about the people who you feel to be successful, and then also when you think about the people that like maybe other people think are successful. Mm -hmm. Like where is the crossover in those things? And also like, do you feel like you're aware of any sort of like conflicts between those things? Like what is success to Joseph and like, what is success to like 
I don't know, maybe the people who you maybe need to have supporting you. Right. That's a tough one to answer as well. Um, like, I have a thought about it. Sure. Go ahead. <laughs> I'll just talk first. Yeah. So, like, okay, this is just one thought. I think about this so much. I'm super looking forward to talking about this with lots of creative people. Right. Uh, because it is something that, like, consumes my mind on the regular. Um, but some, one thing that I find is that there's, like, there's like financial success. And I was raised in a home that was really... Um, like vocal about that kind of thing. Like I feel like I was financially literate, like younger than maybe some people. Yeah. And, and I think I had the idea in my mind for a long time that like, if you're making money, you're successful. Um, and, and bonus, if you're making money doing something that you feel like authentic about, but then I see, and again, this is just like, this is just one aspect in my opinion of this problem. So if you want to talk about something else, mm -hmm. please. But then I also see people who like, I know are broke all the time, who are cool, who have fans, mm -hmm. who have followers. Yeah. And I sometimes feel really frustrated, like who's more successful? And and not that it's about a comparison, but it's more like, I'm, you know, self-reflecting. Like, am I, it makes me kind of feel like, am I focusing on like totally the wrong thing? But then I think like, no, I like having financial stability. Ultimately, I don't think I would, but, you know, is it success if like it doesn't look that way? Mm -hmm. And then I think like if the packaging is like not quite right, does that limit like other kinds of success? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, sure. Like, I don't know. It's like this branding issue. Mm -hmm. Like what matters more, the brand or the, the thing? Yeah. And I feel like it happens with musicians too. Like, you know, maybe there's someone who I'm looking at their, their playing or their writing and I'm like, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's great. Right. But then I hear like everyone talking about how great it is. And I think like, am I missing something huge? But what do you think? Like, do you think about that or? Um, well, going back to what you started with kind of the, the financial success versus like the creative success to call yeah. it that. Um, a lot of the artists that I look up to tend to be pretty open that their art isn't making money. Hmm. Like there isn't a big enough crowd for progressive rock and progressive metal music that you're going to stream your music enough times or sell enough CDs to, you know, offset all your costs. Mm -hmm. Um, so they're always, you know, branching out into other forms of income, uh, which is a different thing, but I think in my mind, it kind of boils down to there has to be a balance of both. Um, and I, I think I'm optimistic that if you're doing your art, your way, your thing, and you are reaching the people you need to reach, then it'll, you know, you'll be able to be financially yeah. safe. So um, it's maybe not something that plagues you as it plagues me. I mean, it, it absolutely does because, you know, I still have to reach those people. I have no idea of how to or where to or whatever. I think that's the crux of it for me, though. Like, I see in now I'm very biased and this is so subjective, mm -hmm. but I see sometimes people who I think don't actually have the thing to offer. Right. Reaching people. 
what are you reaching with? Like, you know, it's always, it's this perpetual, like great things coming soon, but then like nothing ever happens, but somehow still like there's all this hype and like all this talk. Yeah. Whereas I, I think I operate under this, like, I think it's, I, I don't think it's right, but I operate under this assumption that if I'm just like quietly buzzing away, making something I'm like very proud of that when it's done, that will matter more than someone that spends like all this time talking about a thing that they maybe don't quite ever do. Right. And to me, I think right in the middle is where it needs to be, where you are doing things and creating things, but you're also letting people know and, you know, casting that net to, to find the people who are even going to care about about it. Work. Yeah. Which, which is why I have a podcast (laughs) now. (laughs) Here, this is exactly how I'm trying to solve this problem. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. Cool. I feel. I feel better. Um, okay. Do you have any advice to young artists who maybe want to pursue a career in art, or don't, or you know, what would you want to tell them? I to me, the bottom line has always been: Do you love it more than? any other possible thing you could be doing. And if you don't, you probably won't last is mm-hmm. what I've found. Um, you know, if, if you really like making music, but you can't spend all your time doing it or you can't um, like consistently be creative or, you know, whatever it takes to be a musician per yeah. se, um, then I think you need to find something else to fall back on. I would add that there are people who I think love art more than anything, but they almost like love it too much. Mm-hmm. And it becomes like tainted or something when they when they try to pursue it as a career. And I also would advise those people to find something else. Right. And I, I think that tends to be not necessarily like they love it too much. I think that's more just a personality thing sure. where... Um, you know, maybe they just are too precious with it or something, yeah. but like the thought of monetizing your art yeah, becomes like, like this terrible thing or yeah. they, you know, if I'm selling my art, I'm selling out or, you know, whatever things they, they may think of it as, um, I, I don't necessarily think that's a, a quantity thing so much sure. as a personality thing. Sure. No, I think you're right. Or, or. I think my my belief about it, just with the maybe particular people that I'm kind of thinking of, mm-hmm. it's maybe like they're kind of some, sometimes they're those prodigy people sure. who like that music was just like it's so it's so interconnected in like who they are mm-hmm. that like it, it's not that they're being precious about it. It's like they have to like it's like right. it's like a survival thing. I feel like I know a couple of people who like want for music to be their career and they like they like maybe like truly cannot because it's it's too close right you know it's too vulnerable um which i think is i don't know i think it's fair i think at the same time though like i tend to feel that way pretty frequently where it's like if i can't be making music or i can't be playing guitar or you know recording and engineering music like i have nothing is how i feel a lot of the times 
And it's almost for that reason that I have had to, not had to, but that I've chosen to make a career out of it is because I couldn't do anything else and still feel like a a complete person, you Hmm. know? Yeah. Interesting. I don't think I feel like that, but I think I do. I don't think I, I think I have to be Mm self-employed. I really like, I, I kind of wish that wasn't true sometimes, but but it is. I, I'm the same way. <laughs> but I, I'm, and it's not because I'm like a bad employee. It's like I'm never satisfied with my boss. Right. I've never had a boss that I think like I love everything exactly the way you do it. Right. I always feel like, or actually, maybe there's one boss that I had that I thought was pretty awesome, but like she was limited by like bureaucratic things that. Mm-hmm frustrated me so much that I was just like, I can't do this job right. because I'm so upset with how like much more efficient it could be. Yeah. And then at least if it's just me, like I can only blame myself and like I can try to solve the problem. I don't know. I think I, I ultimately, I just have an authority problem. I've, I'm the same way in a lot of ways. And a lot of creative people I talk to are the same way where it's tough to be employed by somebody else for a couple of reasons. One is you want to set your own goals and priorities to have somebody else tell you this is what's important to you right now is like a huge downer as a creative mm-hmm. person mm-hmm. for me at least. Yeah. Um, and then this one's a little more personal to me, but I don't like being on other people's schedules as much yeah. as possible. <laughs> I know. If I have so, to, so relatable. you know, have like really harsh deadlines from a boss or something, like that just kills me with, with clients that I'm working with individually. I feel it's a little different because I'm not working with such high profile clients that they need things done by, you know, whatever times. Uh, and I can typically work with people to get things done in a reasonable timeline. Not that I'm ever like well, yeah, I always was, doing work late, but. Well, what I was going to say is like you, I mean, f- from everything that I know of you, like these things that you're saying make it sound like you like take your sweet time, which is not at all true. Right. Like you're, you're, you're very timely. Like you're always on time. You're always prepared. But I think, I think I'm the same way. Like I, I look like someone who should be able to like be like a little, a little soldier. Mm-hmm. I can't do it though. Like, I mean, <laughs> I can do it right, and I will do it, but I will be grumpy. Yep. And I'm still going to have the same amount of productivity or probably more when I'm my own boss. I'm just going to be happier about it. Right. That's why it's so silly. It's like, I, I'm going to taskmaster myself just as much, but I like it better when someone else didn't tell me to do it. Right. It's such an embarrassing thing to say out loud. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's very relatable though. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it is what it is. Yeah. Okay. I think I, I think I have just... Maybe one more question for you, unless there's anything else you feel like you just, you got to say. Okay. Um, what, what would you want your peers or maybe your fans, like you can pick one or you can address both to know about you that you think maybe they don't know. And like, it, it could be like about your intentions about the, the art or, you know, just, like, is, is there just anything that you just feel like, oh, but people don't get this about me? I think I maybe kind of already just touched on it earlier. Um, but I think a thing I, I don't often express uh, 
uh, is how much I do want to be heard and understood, I think. Um, which is maybe not what you'd expect from someone like me who's much more often happy to listen to other people. Yeah. Um, but I have often felt like, I don't know, like there isn't a place for me to speak up or to say what I want to say and to have people take it the way I, that I meant it, you know, things yeah. like that. Um, I feel like I want more details about that. Oh, like, I mean, you can say whatever you want to say, yeah. but like, like, you know, maybe why, why do you think you feel that? Or like, I don't know, like, how did that problem come to be? I'm getting all Freudian on me now. Uh, yeah, this is my intention all along. <laughs> um, I don't know. It probably stems from me being a quiet person, introverted person, um, just that I don't maybe give myself enough opportunities to speak up or yeah. to to be heard. Um, and you mean like speaking? You mean like... I, I, I just mean in any kind of expression. Sure. Often speaking, sure, yeah. but also uh, creatively with music, you know, writing something and having people listen and care and sure. understand and whatnot. You know, I think this is really like, it's interesting... You know, I think sometimes when we choose art as our professions, there, I mean, maybe I'm projecting, but like there are those who assume that you're kind of self-centered or mm -hmm. self-indulgent or that you feel like I have so much to say, but I think it's often, I think a lot of people feel like how you feel. That's like, well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm dedicating my life in some ways to like making sure my voice is heard. Right. But then you feel like it's something you struggle with, even though I think you're, you're doing it in some ways more than some people do. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm, I don't know. I feel like that's curious. I've, I think I feel some somewhat like that too. Yeah. I think for me, the easiest way that I can explain it, and maybe this won't relate to anybody else, but, um, I've had, you know, so many times listening to somebody else's music where it just like, you know, hits something deep inside you and you can't even begin to explain it or describe, you know, what the feeling is or what it means or anything. Um, but you just like understand, you know? Yeah. Um, and I've, that has had such an impact on me that that's like what I want to be able to do. Yeah. Um, and not just with music, I think talking and listening and understanding people is another way to, to create that. albeit in a more, uh, describable way because sure. I just think we re we understand speech better than we understand music. Um, but that's kind of what I'm always aiming for. And so I think a part of my, desire for people to understand stems from my own inability to do that hmm. as often as I'd like, as it does from sometimes the times that I feel like I've reached that, just not having the yeah. audience for it maybe. Well, as you're talking, I'm, I'm wondering if maybe like the thing that you're longing for is like a listener, like you are a listener. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ah, that's hard. <laughs> <laughs> you just need someone to like, 
hear those depths of like what you're trying to say in the same way that you listen. Right. That's a tall order. Yeah. I think about that sometimes too. Actually, I was listening to this podcast. Um, it's like just a comedy podcast. Uh, and the, the people were talking about a friend of theirs who had passed away and they were saying like, you know, I hope he felt like, like he, this person was so good at like just reflecting back, like yeah. everyone he was around, like mirroring themselves back. And I, and they were wondering like, did anybody like reflect him sure. back at him enough? Which I, I that's gotta be, that's gotta be an experience that's, it can't be that common. Right. But it, but it's gotta be more common than we'd like to think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, just from my own experience, the number of times that I've felt that from other people's music, like it's obviously possible for it to be a more frequent occurrence than I feel like happens to me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have another question. Okay. Um, Do you (laughs) feel like, uh, like, do you feel like there's anything kind of unique about you that allows you to like do the things that you're doing? And I don't, I don't mean that in like a, are you one of a kind? Right. How great am I going to wait? Yeah. Um, I think that's an easy thing to answer um, because I see it deficient in so many of my peers, mm-hmm. you know, not to. Well, yeah, but it's just an opinion. Yeah. I mean, you see it as a deficiency maybe because it's a thing you have. Right. Yeah. Um, but my ability to like blend in cerebral things with creative things yeah. where so many people are like, those cannot coexist. You know? What do you mean? Um, writing music, for example. Um, I see a lot of people like online or, you know, talking with people that will be like, you can't use music theory to write a song. You just have to let it happen, you know? Mm. Whereas for me, yeah, I absolutely (laughs) think that's garbage. But um, for me, it's like, I understand the cerebral part of it, the academic part of it, where I know if I combine notes or chords or progressions in a certain way that it can have a type of effect, but I know when to use that, where to put it in music or Mm -hmm. things like that. So I can combine those two aspects where I feel like a lot of people are kind of one extreme or the other. Yeah. I think that's true. Or at least it's true maybe per the genre. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay. I have like a silly question to like end on, but before I do that, do you want to, is there anything else you'd like to say? Um, about like, you know, art, business, sales, creating. I think it's just always about finding the right balance of things. Um, if you understand that as a, a creative who also wants to make money from being creative, you have your product, which is the thing you create, but you have to be able to let it be a commercial product yeah, as well as a creation, yeah. you know, um, that's where I see a lot of people fall. Um, at least I see it as a failing. Um, but I think that's kind of the big hurdle to jump. But once you can do that, being a, a profitable creative, I think is, is a fairly 
quote unquote easy yeah, thing it's to do. Doa- it's doable. Yeah. Like I definitely take it as like, if there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. You gotta be scrappy though. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, and I think, and I think maybe most of us can't be precious. Right. I think maybe there are a select few who, who succeed like because they are precious. Right. Um, but I think, I think most of us at least have to kind of, I don't know, have to be like a little scrappy. Yeah. Okay. So the fun question is what are your dream? What's your dream collaboration? Uh, and it could be like any medium, Mm -hmm. like also alive or dead. Okay. Wow. That's a good question. I know. I didn't even think about it and now I'm thinking about it and I'm overwhelmed. I thought of the question though. So I get credit for that. I guess. (laughs) I think for me, I would, um, choose to produce a song and a video to go with it with, uh, Pliny, who is one of my very favorite guitarists right now. He's, uh, just a guy from Australia who writes really, really amazing emotional instrumental guitar music. Awesome. Um, so I would, I would really love to work on a song with him and just get inside his mind, see how he, how he makes these melodies that impact me so much. Um, and then to do a video with, there's a guy named Randy Edwards who works, he's a photographer slash videographer, uh, for a lot of the bands in the, in the prog rock, prog metal scene. Um, and I just really like the visual things that he does with, with photo and video. Um, and then I would have Hugh Syme do the, uh, the artwork for the song. He does the artwork for, uh, Dream Theater, who's my favorite band. Um, and he also has worked with, uh, like Rush and other bands like that in the past. You really came up with all of that, like quickly. Yeah. Yeah. That's (laughs) awesome though. I, I I love it that you included like it's multimedia. Right. You've got a whole idea. Is that, did I interrupt it? Is there more to this dream? I don't think so. I think that would be it. I should say like, that's just kind of the way that I, I picture things is, you know, I make the music, but then I see so much more that can go with it with my band. That's kind of an angle that we're trying to take where with every major release, an EP or an album that we put out, um, we're actually writing like short stories that are kind of a character put inside the world of the song. That's awesome. And we want to, you know, produce video content to go with that, that can, you know, when we have stacks of cash that can be projected at our live shows as we're playing these songs. And, but just to create like an entire multimedia world. I love it. it. I feel like that's the way that things are going. Mm -hmm. Like I, I really hope that's the way things are going. Multimedia. Gosh. Yeah. There's nothing that like gets me in the feels better than like, excellent collaboration across mediums. Right. Um, yeah, it's good stuff. Cool. Where can we find you on the um, interwebs? Me personally, you can find me on Instagram at Joseph Facer music. Okay. Uh, Facer. Facer F A C E R. Okay. Face R. Great. Um, and then as far as Soliphany goes, uh, soliphanyband.com is our website. You got links to all our socials on there. Uh, but you can find us on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube, 
just under Solifini. Oh my gosh, what about Twitter and Snapchat? Nope. <laughs> None of that. Uh, just for reference, Solifini is spelled S-O-L-Y-P-H-O-N-Y. Sweet. Uh, uh, Andrew used to, when we first knew you, he called you Joseph Phaser. Yeah, I, I get that all the time. Really? And then I was like, Andrew, you know it's Phaser. And he was like, Phaser is cooler. And I was like, <laughs> that is an engineer thing of you to say. Well, at least he did it by choice and not by ignorance. <laughs> he still sometimes, he, he, he's really, he's dying on that horse. Yeah. So he just really likes phasers though. Fair enough. I do too. All right. Well, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You betcha. Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our music is by Jerem Hansen and artwork by Savannah Kiniston. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, please send me a note through my website, emvocals.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.